0: Out there Geek GeekVice Nation, this is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, with another enticing, amazing episode on this great Wednesday. Um, I am obviously, just like always, joined by my co-host, brother Christopher Ray Patton. How are you doing good, sir?
1: Doing okay, man. Just trying to get through this fucking week. It's It's been one of those. How about you, Dane? How are you?
0: You know nothing that a beer won't fix. That's how I am. You know, and uh, (laughs) I I feel you, man. It's it's been a long week already, and it's like Friday's almost here, but it's not almost here. And that's the wonderful thing about Wednesday, is it's right in the second middle, the the uh, the day, the 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 day of humpage, if you will, Um,
1: if you will, baby,
0: (laughs) if you will, baby. But yeah, we have a, a great episode for you guys tonight. We got uh, some AEW noise to talk about. We got some New Japan noise to talk about. We got some WWE noise to talk about. But before we get into that, um, I wanted to say a little uh, rest in peace uh, to British wrestler Adrian Lionheart uh, McCullum, uh who passed away at 36 years old. Um, nothing's 100% for sure, but it... It's looking like it might be uh, a possible suicide, uh, but he was a big wrestler over in ICW, and uh, he was known for a lot of his uh, stuff over in Ring of Honor, uh, working with Nigel McGuinness, and unfortunately injuring himself from a Styles Clash from AJ Styles. But uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't know a lot about his work, but uh feel bad for anyone that we lose in the wrestling community, and also especially when it comes to uh, stuff involved with mental health. Um, so I'll let Chris uh, talk a little bit about him and we'll do our 10 second salute.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm most familiar with his matches between he like, like you said, Nigel McGuinness and, and uh, some of the guys he's worked with in ring of honor and obviously his most recent work in ICW. He's there. He was their current champion. Um, it's unfortunate. Anytime someone passes away, especially so young, the age of 36, that's, you know, kind of nothing. Um, yeah, just really sad overall. And uh, just uh, want to wish well wishes to his family and friends and uh, all of ICW, obviously. They, they posted on Twitter, we're heartbroken, learning the tragic death of ICW World Heavyweight Champion, Adrian Leinhart. Um Adrian was a mainstay of ICW and British professional wrestling. Most importantly, he was our friend. His passing leaves a huge hole in our lives, in the lives of those who knew him. Please respect his family's privacy at this time so uh, rest in peace obviously and uh, we send our condolences here from uh,
0: Wrestling Geeks Alliance so on behalf of Wrestling Geeks Alliance I'd like to give a 10 second um, pause of silence uh, for Adrian so we'll start that All right, rest in peace and uh, just you know if anyone shows signs of something um say something. I mean, it's it'll be an awkward uh conversation, but it might help someone out that's going through some stuff that's just putting on a uh, a happy face. So, and I know from experience on the on the matter. But anyways, um let's get uh on with uh, a lot of stuff to go over, Chris. We didn't have a lot of news uh this week um other than a lot of bullshit that that was popping around online, uh, the Gator rumors, which were turned down. Um, apparently, based on a tweet of someone suggesting that the way that creative's going, it got blown into it's definitely going to happen with uh, Shane McMahon apparently beating Kofi Kingston for the title. Those are bullshit. So we don't really have to worry about uh, talking about that. So since that's the case, let's move on to our main things that we're going to talk about tonight. Which, if we finish early, we finish early, Chris. But knowing me and and you, uh, we'll probably be here till the end just talking about these three things. So, um, at least we have time, you know, we got plenty of that. Uh, Either way, let's talk about some AEW news. I think the biggest thing uh, is that Double or Nothing went on sale and tickets sold out in 15 minutes. So, now this is two from AEW, one affiliated with the guys that ran AEW with All In. And then also, obviously, even though they weren't directly on the marquee, a lot of people assumed and definitely helped the sales of the New Japan Ring of Honor show at Madison Square Garden uh, with, obviously, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and uh, Cody. So definitely to themselves, they've got two shows in huge areas. They're selling out. They're doing pretty damn good things from the beginning. You still got the dickhead naysayers that – I don't know what the fuck they want exactly um, at this point. I'm, I'm evaluating that that diehard WWE people that don't like uh, AEW for whatever reason remind me of the diehard uh, DC movie fans uh, that hate Marvel because the movies are better. It's um, probably going to get some hate from that, so Check <laughs> me out on Twitter at Dane Alves. That's A L V as in Victor, E-S. I'm just kidding. Chris, what do you think about this with them selling out – in fifteen minutes for double or well, nothing.
1: I think the craziest thing about it is the actual people who were attempting to get tickets uh based on, you know, all of those numbers that came out were were crazy. And I mean I think Dave done did a really good job in the breakdown of that. I don't want to go into too much detail of that, but I it points to their audience like the I think the stadium is they're wrestling at Sears in Chicago which obviously you're going to get a, a bigger draw in Chicago than you are at their um, smaller events, which they have uh, fight for the fallen and fighter fest coming up, which both haven't sold out. But this big pay-per-view event um, had a lot of interest. A lot of people tried to get tickets. I think the total was like, I think there's like 11,000 seats available. And they said there was something like 60,000 people tried to log on, I think was the number or somewhere in there, which is just a crazy amount. And uh, I think, those numbers combined with those pay-per-view numbers, like everyone has been talking about this week show that there's definitely an interest for something different. And, uh, AEW is kind of providing that right now. And and they're providing something exciting and new and fresh. And I guess we'll see where it goes from here, but you could look at that and easily say, okay, well they could have, they could have done a bigger arena and maybe they left some money on the table, but I think there's, it's a toss up. Like no one knows right now wrestling in theory And at least in America, with the way WWE's been going, they've been treading 2 million viewers on Raw and SmackDown, and this is uh, AEW that doesn't have TV right now. Um, And they're coming off a big pay-per-view, obviously, but they have two shows in between that, like I said, haven't sold out. And uh, the number, just the the pure sheer number of people trying to get tickets, I think, was uh, the most baffling to a lot of these experts. Like, I, I don't think that anyone expected that response from a show in Chicago, but obviously Chicago's known for being a great wrestling town or a great place to work in. So it's, uh, it's exciting news. And I think it's going to make, you know, it, more than likely that building is going to be jammed full and we're going to get to see some really good matches and it's uh, everything for that pay-per-view and AW in general. It's like, they haven't done anything wrong so far. <laughs> and we'll see if they can continue down that path. But if you, if you want a full breakdown of the numbers, uh, this week's Wrestling Observer newsletter obviously goes into more detail about those. And, and a lot of that goes a little bit above me as far as like st- st- uh, some of the statistics and the overall, what this could potentially mean. And it's comparison you know, a lot of the comparison is like people that w- that are willing to get these tickets and, and what the crossover of what that pay-per-view might look like as far as buys go Um percentages on how many people bought like the last Daniel Cormier fight mixed with or uh, Bones Jones fight mixed with like how many people buy wrestling pay-per-views it's a giant breakdown and I think a lot of those numbers are just fun if you like doing that I would say the big thing is it's obvious that one I think they can be doing bigger arenas if they have a really good card and two there's definitely a want from the wrestling fans and not just being the elite fans, because I don't think that the counting from where all of this love is coming from uh, wrestling fans in, g- in general, there's a want for something new, something fresh and a product that is uh, trying to do something different. So all, all really, really exciting stuff. Uh, the other caveat is, uh, you know, they're doing what's it, bleacher uh, bleacher report live or whatever. They're going to be on BR live. That's going to be free for Fighterfest Fest uh, at the end of this month. And once you sign up for that, it's going to be free. They're expecting to get uh, like close to a million signups, being that it's a free stream just for that. And that's like a huge number. Obviously, it's free. So there's the only thing you're losing there is, you know, they'll have access to your email or personal information or whatever, just like the rest of the internet for anything you sign up for. But uh, I think it's, some people are saying that yeah, I think it was Mike Tanay who predicted that you could have like it was some ridiculous number. He said like four like forty million or something could sign up. It was a ridiculous number. I think you're gonna see a huge increase in sign ups for that website, especially for a free show that's is in the news and being talked about. Uh even on like stuff like the Dan Patrick show and uh it's it's uh, it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan with a bunch of good AEW stuff coming up. We're going to get SummerSlam, and then we're also getting the G1. So there's tons of good shit going on right now, just to say the least. But like I said, the biggest shocking thing is just the sheer amount of people that requested to get tickets. And uh, I think you said your friend got lucky enough to get those out of that queue, which sounds like a lot of people, uh, if you weren't part of that lucky 11,000, then, boy, apparently. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Michael Hoyt. I will be coming for you, and I will find those <laughs> tickets that you have, and I will obtain them, and then sell the shit out of them because I on a <laughs> trip to Chicago. Fuck that, anyways. And, and you got to realize, uh, Chris, the, the statistics with uh, you know the process of which we are looking at it with, you know, it, just, it all goes back to the fact that I challenged Cody to do something, and that's how all it happened. Catch catch jack
1: I guess I, did he ever pay them their one dollar? He made that one dollar bet that they couldn't sell out the ten thousand seat arena, and this will be you know the third time they've done it. So I guess he owes them three dollars now.
0: <laughs> the fact that this all started off, it rooted from a, a a question on the Wrestling Observer of whether or not Ring of Honor, with the help of, of people popular like Cody and the Young Bucks could sell out whatever the hell, uh, Chicago. And I don't remember the amount, but that Dave said, no, they couldn't. That's stem this. And now we're about to have a wrestling product. And with the partner of Tony Khan, I'm really, really excited, especially since if you guys haven't got a chance to hear it, Tony Khan was on the first episode back of the, uh, stone cold, Steve Austin, uh, podcast. And, uh, I would expect to see John Moxley in the future, um, if not the next episode. But it was fun having Steve, who is you know, if you didn't know this, he's actually a really great interviewer. Uh very detailed, very intelligent questions, thought provoking. You wouldn't expect that out of, you know, Austin, I guess if you if you go back to how he was as a character, which I mean is basically a heightened version of him. Uh, but Tony was on and there's a couple details I wrote down from that talk that I wanted to talk about. And then if you had anything to say about, you know, the interview itself, but some stuff that he revealed about information involving AEW. Um, I think the first big thing is that he confirmed that's going to be two hours and it's going to be filmed live, um, which I think a lot of us kind of assume that, but he had a confirmation Um And he's looking for some type of streaming option for people that don't have cable. He's keeping that in mind that a lot of people have cut the cord, and he's trying to find alternative ways for people to watch the product that don't have that. Uh, Just cool to hear uh, in general. Uh, Chris, what do you think about that um, as far as possibly a confirmation on stuff that we kind of already figured and the fact that he's kind of looking elsewhere if you don't have cable?
1: Well, I think it's I think that's a, a wonderful idea because it's it's always been a, it's been the thing that we've heard for so long is with with WWE especially is what what do ratings actually mean? How do people how are people consuming this? You know, more people watch on YouTube than they do here. Well, giving someone another outlet to view your product reaches more people, and the more people you reach, the better chance you have of those people actually watching your show on a weekly basis. Um, you know, so especially if you're going to do some sort of live stream, which could be really cool if done right, where it's not you know a terrible thing where you're buffering constantly. I mean, the big thing is is TNT is available in more households than USA Network, like right off the bat. So they're going to have a bigger audience than Monday Night Raw, and they're also on a higher profile TV station in the UK. So right now they Technically, for their for their flagship show, they have a bigger audience than Monday Night Raw has potentially. So when you look at that and you say, how can we do this and also do streaming and make some sort of revenue off that as well, um, I don't know how that really shakes out and what the deal with you know because we don't know what the TNT contract looks like. Is that going to be something with TNT? It you know from all accounts, it seems like it's going to be you know through BR Live somehow. Um, probably through some sort of paid subscription, my guess would be. But just in general, the the, the more eyes that you can draw to your product, and uh, I, I think that's that's a great way to start things out. And uh, what was the first first point, Dana? I think I might have missed it.
0: Oh, it's um, that it's confirmed. It will be two hours and film live.
1: Yeah, and and we got a little bit of that off that the original. I think the original contract talks that we had talked about with um. You know it's going to be live, and TNT is paying for the production elements of it. If I remember right, there's a whole show where we did a, a huge breakdown on that. If you guys want to go back and check that out, we're on. Uh, we'll take we'll take time to plug uh, iTunes and obviously uh, if you're listening to us live, Talk radio, but Spotify
2: now.
0: Yeah, in Spotify. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny about that, Chris? I was talking to Nick on Monday. Suck another show that I do on Mondays at 6 p.m. ESD. Check it out. Um, cheap plug. Um, yeah, but- the, uh, the the
1: the the estimation for the live shows was they were saying it's it's if I remember right, the number that they came up with was somewhere between 400,000 to 600,000 for each live event, and that TNT is fronting that, but they're not going to get as much ad revenue. So the TV contract is a lot different than what you know WWE has because they're a proven products and I think they have to pay for sports licensing rights and they get a cut of ad revenue and, and it's a little different. But WWE's production, for instance, is anywhere from eight hundred thousand to a million dollars a show. So like when you see them cut out something like Pyro, for instance, that is part of the reason is they actually pay for their own production, um, which allows them to do whatever the hell they want, whereas AEW is going to have their production funded by TNT. Those are the, the two bigger deals between these two live shows. So TNA is going to control how that show is produced, obviously with input from the company, but if they want to make aesthetic changes or cut back places here and there, uh, it sounds like there's just going to be a hard cap on that on that stuff. But there's a better – like I said, I think I did a better job breaking it down previously because I don't have all those numbers uh, directly in front of me, unfortunately.
0: Well, well, thank you. I'm I'm glad that you went over statistics. Can I finish my story now
2: about Spotify?
0: Geez. <laughs> no. Well, basically, all I was trying to say is I've been saying for months that we're on Spotify, and I just found out that we just joined it. So I've been telling people to go to it regardless, and um, yeah. I, it would have been funnier right off the cuff, but – there you go. There's a little bit of breakdown on um, exactly what we're dealing with. And uh, we'll probably get more information about that. Um, you know, exactly the details of everything they're going to do. It was just good to have some confirmation. And I liked hearing about them looking elsewhere other than just, you know, people that have cable, because I don't. Um, and I'm sick of helping pay for whatever stupid app uh, because of the S, that it doesn't matter. But anyways. <laughs> Um, Sky, it's Sky of those, Sports, which which
1: WWE no, lost the contract with. So
0: yeah, no, it's not the British uh, sports thing. Slingy? it's um, sling. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, but there's also some some stuff that he said that the first episode they're gonna have, Chris, they're gonna start a tag tournament that will eventually, you know, crown their tag champions uh, within AEW and that that's one of his biggest things. He's very much inspired by Mid-South um, and old-school tag wrestling. And not only, he said the NWA, but also the WWE at the the uh, the you know the late 80s with all their great tag teams that they had. He's He's a big fan of tag team wrestling. It's not something that's going to be in the back burner. This is something that they're going to make a big deal of. The first night they start this and have a tournament, which is something that if you're not – nxt 205 live or nxt uk related you don't do in wwe there's no fucking tournaments for some goddamn reason even though they're the most sports like thing you could do oh yeah that's right sports entertainment anyways Chris, (laughs) what do you think about the fact that they're going to be doing a tag team tournament to crown tag team champions and they're going to start this and make a big deal of the tag division itself the first night that they air
1: well, I think it's awesome, and, and you know, in a lot of ways, we're kind of seeing the focus of that already with uh, almost a co-headline between the Bucks and uh, the Lucha Brothers at the last pay-per-view. They're doing a three-way match uh, between the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers with Kenny Omega, and I believe it, it's El Dorado, right? Is on the uh, Fighter Fest card, or not the Fighter? The Fight for the Fallen. They're the the the, the next show they're going to do before the next pay-per-view, um, and then. You know, obviously you're going to get Cody and and Dusty – or Dustin, I should say, versus uh, the Young Bucks again. So you can tell that they're already headed in that direction. I think they're looking to shore up some more tag teams, and hopefully we'll see that stuff fleshed out. And uh, I think it's awesome. I love tag team wrestling. I, I would kill for, you know, good tag team wrestling. I feel like there is a lot of it out there. It's just – it seems like most of the time the divisions end up just being two teams and it's those two teams having great matches, more so than like here's a kick ass tag division. Check this out. Look how many good damn tag teams we have. Um think like WWE when you had the Ws the Hardy's and and uh New Age Outlaws and Edge and Christian and uh just you know, that APA. list goes on and on and Yeah. So I'm fucking stoked on that. I think that's awesome. You know, that's not probably the best example of like here's a stacked tag team lineup. But you know, if you go back to the territories where you had tons and tons of great tech teams, they were moving in and out, so it, it works a little different. But um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, man. I think it's going to be awesome. I like that they're doing a tournament. I like that they're not just going out and saying, hey, we're just going to crown it right off the bat, uh, similar to what they're doing with a heavyweight title. Though I do think it makes sense to have a heavyweight champion crowned before your first TV show, and I think that helps your, you know, obviously this pay-per-view in Chicago. So, um The other thing they announced was a possibility of a women's tag team championship, which they're focusing on. It seems like they're doing a little bit of the new Japan booking with a bunch of these three on three tag matches so far from what we've seen of what, what's been booked so far, you know, since the, since that pay-per-view and kind of what those cards look like. So it's, it seems like they're building some teams out of that, which is really cool. And then, and then obviously the the, women's singles title, um, which it's good that they're slowly rolling all this stuff out because I, I don't know that it's necessarily the best idea to be like, here's all the belts on the very first show, and we got to set up matches for these champions. So I like the idea of a tournament. I like the idea of you having a top guy. You know, Jericho probably will end up being the first champion, which I'm fine with. Uh, and that, you know, that's who you're going to build the card around. And the rest of the stuff with the tournament and the rest of these titles, depending on how they go, makes for a good way to. One, book in advance because you don't have to book around who the champion is and whether or not you're hurting them or not. Um, and two, just it, it leaves a little bit of element of excitement. It could be anyone who's going to win this title, you know? So th- that's all good shit.
0: Actual yeah, good I shit. Re- <laughs> that's good shit. Um, <laughs> I guess a question to that because he didn't really make it sound like they're going for a, like a mid card title. It looks like it, it might just be women's and men's heavyweight or not maybe, maybe world title and then tag. And then potentially a woman's tag when they acquire enough people for a roster for that. Um, would that, is, is that kind of weird not to have that? Or is it going back to their concept of win, wins and lossing wins and losses mattering uh, within their company? Well, you know, they're not, it, from all
1: standpoints, it doesn't like they're going to have weight classes, So I don't, you know, I I like kind of the jap. I I would even say New Japan has too many damn titles. WWE definitely has too many damn titles. So you giving me a show where I only have to follow four belts, and you're going to give me good tag team wrestling in between, and uh, everyone else is fighting to get to that top heavyweight championship, you know, or your top title. I I like that a fuck ton better. I'm not going to lie. I think that you don't end up having to worry if you're hurting someone with a loss. Uh, You don't have to worry about getting a title on the show if you have nothing for that person to do. You don't have to worry about everyone (laughs) trying to fit all of that shit into a two-hour show every week live. You don't have to worry about that. When when you're doing it like this, the way they're doing it, you can actually go out and have wrestling, (laughs) and you don't have to book around. Well, we got to find a way to get the Intercontinental title on the show, or people are going to be like, why the hell is the Intercontinental title not on the show? And the answer is we have fucking eight belts or whatever. So I actually prefer it. It is a little weird, and it's not something that we've seen from a wrestling company. Should, should they do but... a
0: 24-7 title?
1: Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> In short, no, Dane. They should not do a 24-7 title. And I fucking love our truth I'm not blaming this on him, I think he's doing and like I said, I was talking to you last night and I said, man, this guy's out here turning chicken shit in the chicken salad like, he's doing the best he damn can with that thing but uh,
0: yeah, really no, is. AW he's definitely, definitely doesn't need that <laughs> um, I, I,
1: uh, I honestly kind of like the concept of keeping your titles limited at the beginning and you can always introduce a new title later down the road if you want to but in my good opinion, it's does anyone give a shit if your top titles don't mean anything if you introduce a mid-card title? No,
0: it doesn't. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. And if anything, if they were to distinguish, I would do the New Japan route and have a heavyweight and a light heavyweight. So they both have prestige, but it's based on weight class, which goes back to actual sports-related stuff. But I like the concept that they potentially won't even have weight classes, and it's – you know. UFC in the first like two years. If you guys want to check out some real fucking crazy shit, check out UFC when it first started. Uh, and it was just like random dudes in there just trying to fight and punch each other. It was it was a fun time. And then Royce Grayson <laughs> and Ken Shamrock took it up a notch. Uh, anyway, so so uh, well, before we move on, since we brought this up, <laughs> they
1: they put for anyone out there that hasn't ever seen the first Ultimate Fighting Championship uh, because it's their I think it's what the twenty fifth anniversary. I'm not mistaken, they put they put this out on YouTube, so you can go and watch the entire thing live. What the fuck is Joe Brown talking about? Ninety percent of this thing, I don't like know, the commentary. Man. The co- people thought the commentary. I mean, people had problems with the commentary on AEW. Like, go back and watch this ultimate this first Ultimate Fighting Championship. And like, I do realize it was the very first time they had ever tried anything, but like you brought it up, made me think of it because it was like. Mind blowing! The commentary. I think they had like a professional uh, female or uh, karate champion, and then like um, I can't think of the guy's name, and then just randomly Joe Brown, and Joe Brown's like he punched him in the head real hard, and I'm like, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think you got punched in the head real hard, Joe Brown. <laughs>
1: it was like oh. it was, it was little, it's it's like one of the weirdest things ever, and it's it's definitely you can tell that it. It's it's showing what they wanted it to be, with the way the match is kind of laid out with Voice Gracie and like kind of his only challenger, in my opinion, being Ken Shamrock, who who was easily yep. dismantled in, in that tournament. But yeah, that's a that's, that's a weird thing. And, then, and like even the refing in that shit, which I, this is gonna be the last thing I say about it and get move on. But even the refing was like really bad. Like uh, there's you know Ken taps the ref doesn't see it. And then Gracie lets out, of the, lets him out of the hold, and like Ken Shamrock's, like, no, I tapped, like, I lost, like, he had to admit that he lost. Well, at least <laughs> he, he admitted could...
0: that he lost.
1: Yeah. They didn't so have it Big was John a, uh...
0: McCarthy back then?
1: <laughs> no, no, not at all. But That's definitely, gonna... if you've never seen it and you like UFC, I would say go back and go back and watch it because it is. Yeah. Uh, People. They came a long way.
0: I... I would even say, like, you know, and this is kind of getting off on a tangent, but I'm a big fan of MMA. I have been for a long time. The beginning roots of UFC compared to what it is and how big it got into 2000s is so vastly different when it comes to it being organized just in general, uh, especially when it came to, like, different types of wrestling styles. It, it definitely more reflects, I would say, like, the, the, the golden age of UFC in the 2000s reflects more of how they presented it with pride uh, but still, pride was fucking crazy, and that's got some of the most brutal. If you want to say Vondale Silva just kneeing motherfuckers in the face, while uh, Morinallo is is whoa, on the outside. Um, it's it's interesting. Anyways, let's let's move on. Um, you, you kind of brought this up earlier. So you got Chris Jericho, uh, but the two matches that we do know that are official, Chris, between Jericho and Adam uh, Adam not Adam Cole Adam Page uh, for the title. And also Kenny Omega versus Jon Moxley. Who do you got with those?
1: Well, I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to push Jon Moxley a little bit, but I, I God, do you really want Kenny to take two losses back to back? I, I think they'll probably do some kind of time on the draw or something. There's no, we haven't seen that in AEW yet. Maybe they'll do that, or maybe they'll do a no finish with Jon Moxley going crazy to set up some sort of match coming out of that. I'm assuming that he's going to beat Joey Janela and Daytona and I'm assuming the Bucks are probably going to beat the Lucha Brothers with Kenny on their side uh, just to get those guys some wins going in but I, I think maybe you are probably seeing no contest in that and I think Jericho will find a way to beat Adam Page for the title so that he will be the champion day one going into that TV deal.
0: Yeah, I think I completely agree with you um, on the breakdown of that. That's very much uh, the similar way of uh, that I was going for it. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we move on to G1 uh, Block's announcements is uh, something within the interview that was um, I guess you know, if you're a fan and you've been listening to Stone Cold and you heard his uh, interview previously with John Moxley when he was Dean Ambrose and WWE and just how fucking the shit that interview went towards the end. Cause Stone Cold kind of tried to kind of call him out for being a bit complacent. Obviously now from John Moxley's side, we've seen, you know, what was going on back then, even with Dean Ambrose and just him being unhappy with how things were going even. And he was a champion at that point. Um, and just to hear some remorse from Stone Cold, because I know a lot of people, I think rightfully so, because it got a little bit awkward, is that he kind of plays it as one of his worst interviews and in that it actually bothers him still to this day. And he was actually, you know, we heard that Dean um, or, or John was commenting on talking to Austin on the phone and being really excited and saying that he potentially was going to be doing an interview with them. But to hear Stone Cold on the other side of it saying that called him, you know, after. It, it's funny to hear Stone Cold Steve Austin like apparently like talk to someone else like, hey, can I like – I kind of want to talk to Dean like, well, do you want me to give you his number? Like, yeah, I guess so. like being weird about that when he's fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, but I get it too, you know, and that's, that seems like Austin's personality in that he called him up. It definitely seemed like he wanted to reconcile, you know, say kind of like an attaboy sort of thing. Which is probably he was trying to go for motivation, and it just kind of got, you know, it looked like Dean got pissed off, and that's how the interview went south from there. And it's on the network if you guys want to check out what I'm talking about. Um, I think it was his last one they did on the network as well. Um, but just kind of like having that being said, and then later on, you know, Tony Khan making the the comparisons to Steve going to ECW and cutting loose after he got fucking just so fed up with WCW and got fired, very similar to Dean doing this and kind of it being his release. What would you think about, when you know, since you listened to that original interview and kind of had a later update, if you will, um, um, from Austin about it? You know, I
1: I, I thought it was – Austin made some really good points. I think that, you know, he didn't backpedal too much. But all of the Austin uh, WWE Network interviews seemed very much like these are the things that you're allowed to talk about. And I think if you put Austin in that kind of box, being in part of the WWE, I think that may have steered the conversation a weird way. And that's maybe why he has some regret from it. I mean, obviously that didn't go the way he, he uh he wanted it to go and i think some of it was is wording more than anything else but also like that match that he talked about specifically Brock had happened if i'm not mistaken like 2 or 3 months beforehand right at mania yep and they're, they're bringing yep. it up which which is almost like they fed him a talking point and he had to talk about it because he did the show with the network and i also wonder if that's part of the reason because they stopped doing that show I'm wondering if there was, like, a contract in place or something because he disappeared for, like, six months. Um, and he said he's going to talk about that on this next podcast. I'm kind of curious to hear what that is. And uh, he didn't go as far as to, like, he actually said that he was a WWE guy in the interview, so it's not like he's wishing harm on WWE. But I always kind of felt like those podcasts, out of the Austin ones, felt like the, the least authentic. Um, I, I think, you know, if you gave him Triple H on his own time, and he was able to ask whatever questions he wanted to ask. I think he would have a lot more questions than what they did in the uh, was it, or the was it the Triple H interview he did. Like that's that's another example of it. Um,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I was an open book, <laughs> Justin. So uh, I, I don't understand exactly what you're trying to say at all.
1: And and I feel like it's not just him. I feel like when you know, Sam Roberts stuff when he's not on the network, when they when they did the network shows with him, it's not it just didn't come off as authentic, almost like these are the things that you can talk about. Um and if you're used to just doing what me and you do or what any podcaster does, which is just talk about whatever the hell you want. It's kinda of the point of doing a podcast. It it's yep. it's I think that would be a lot harder. You know, these are our talking points. And, uh but, you know, it was, it, it, I liked Austin. He said, you know, I, I, I played this badass on TV, but I, I do have emotions. Like I guess yeah. did upset me. And he was like, I wasn't trying to like bury the guy. And, and apparently that's how Moxley kind of took it was that Steve was, that's kind of burying him a little how, bit, uh, you know, social
0: media took it. Uh, a lot of people were mad at him back then. I was like in what, 2015, 16. Yeah. A and I, you know,
1: I also like that he said that you know he saw Moxley when he came out and there was like a fire lit under his ass in AEW and he could see that there's a different performer there, and I like that Tony Khan kind of brought it back to it. He's like, well, it's a lot like you when you left WCW and went to, uh, <laughs> which ECW, one I thought was really yeah. fucking funny, went to ECW to be you know the hardcore star superstar or whatever, um, and you could draw comparisons to that. Though I do feel like you know to me, Dean Ambrose is more of a Terry Funk type character than a Stone Cold, yeah. but that's, that's more wrestling and persona and the way that they wrestle uh, more than anything else in the way they promo. But I, you definitely could draw the comparisons of like, Hey, this is a man that could have probably did a lot for your company. You let him go. And now he's got a fire line in his ass to prove a point, which is best case scenario for AW kind of worst case scenario <laughs> for WWE. But I, I found that section of the interview really intriguing. And, and if, the listeners out there, if you haven't checked it out, definitely uh, first Stone Cold podcast in six months. I think he did a really good job on the interview overall. And you know the only criticism I have about that entire interview is they only went over the top three matches. And I really wanted yeah. to hear Stone Cold break down like Aja Kong yelling at the timekeeper.
0: <laughs> man, you know. <laughs> <for instance. laughs> man, that girl, got, she got some fire underneath her ass stuff, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if God you're I damn. mean, if you're out there looking for like a complete breakdown of the show, that's not the podcast, but the stuff that came out of that podcast would and, and especially hearing Khan talk about specific dates and specific things that he liked in wrestling. Um as a wrestling fan, as someone shit. looking forward to, yeah, someone looking forward to AEW. That's that's good shit. Like that's stuff you should be excited about and the fact that, you know, he's behind this thing and uh his dad well, I'm not a huge wrestling fan. It sounds like he's kind of getting into it and being behind it. Like the, he had that conversation, like there's a conversation point in that interview where he's talking about <laughs> right before Cody's match, uh, t- 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 Tony Khan's dad was talking to Cody Rhodes, like right before he went out and had this very emotional match with uh, Dustin, which that that was kind of a fun little
0: part in that interview as well. Yeah, man, I, I agree. I would Definitely recommend all of Geek 5's Nation to check out that interview. Uh, you can find it just – I forgot what Stone Cold's exact podcast is called, but Stone Cold Podcast. Um, it's, it's on Podcast One, I believe, is a website. You can find them in order, uh, and you'll find his interview with Tony Khan. And I'm looking forward to his follow-up interview with Mr. John Moxley, uh, formerly known as Dean Ambrose. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's our AEW uh, news. I'd like to move on to our New Japan portion uh, we not only got the blocks themselves, the A block and the B block of what participants are going to be in there we got some pushback from certain wrestlers that were not involved within it and also all the uh, the matchups uh, for the schedule of the G1. I'm not going to say that we're going to go over every fucking day but it's awesome seeing certain matches that are going to be happening uh, within it so we'll probably go over a couple of our favorites um, or stuff that we're looking forward to with people working, but let's, let's go over the blocks first, Chris. Uh, We'll go over the A block, then the B block. uh, Then we'll talk about the very angry Minoru Suzuki, and then talk about some matches we're looking forward (laughs) to seeing within this. Um, Oh, and that a lot of people are mad that John Moxley is not going to be in the, uh, the American uh, start of the G one tournament, but I have to say pretty sure the, the, the ticket sales for people went on before we knew John Moxley was even involved in anything. So quit your bitching. Or just quit your bitching in general. You're going to be seeing Okada, so fuck off. I haven't seen him. Just I mean, uh, you are getting – I know you're not getting
1: Moxley, but you're getting fucking Tanahashi versus Okada, which will be probably a five-star
0: match. Exactly. Yeah, I forgot that Tanahashi <laughs> was the one going against him.
1: Give me a fucking and, ring. And you
0: get, a, you oh.
1: get a Bushi and Kenta's return as well. So we don't know what Kenta is yet, but that match has potential to be fucking amazing as well in Sonata versus Zack Sabre Jr. And I I know I'm already breaking down the first day, but I've heard people yell about this Moxley thing all week about him being in the B block. Look, it's a contract thing. There's nothing he can do about it. AEW doesn't want him presented in the American market unless it's under AEW right now. That's – while it's a shitty business move it, it's a business move and to me it makes sense and uh, there's a lot of good moxley matches coming up and he's in the b block i think they're going to book him to look strong so um like if i had the money to fly out to dallas on july 6th i would fucking do that That sounds like an awesome time
0: i agree with you i do um and I think th- it is cool to note that someone said this. I don't know if this is like this every single time, but that all the major champions are all involved in the tournament, uh, the IWGP junior, the heavyweight, who obviously always is, the never openweight, and the IWGP United States champion. Have you ever heard that happening before? beforehand? I know the U.S. belt's relatively new, but. Well, the the
1: last time the junior champion was in was in like 2000. It was Prince Devitt. That's the last time the junior oh, champion wow. has been part of G1. So it's been a long-ass time. I can't think of a time when you had four champions unless you're including, like, you know, Tamatonga as a tag champion or, or something um, yeah. right offhand. But it is crazy that all the major champions are in these blocks. I think it's going to affect their booking a little bit, and that's part of why you get this very strong A block and, and more of, like, what I would consider a challenge, almost like a challenger B block, Uh but I mean, there's good matches all around this thing. Let's uh, we can we can break
0: it down, and I can kind of go into more de- detail about how I feel about down. the blocks, I guess. <laughs> all right, so block A. Let me let me let me go over it. We got uh, Kazuchika Okada. We got Zack Sabre Jr. We got Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, Evil Sonata, Bad Luck Fale, Lance Archer, Will Ospreay, and Kenta. Um, pretty exciting block of people and you know i'm gonna ask you about block a but i'm pretty sure i figured out the fucking g1 concept now so if if i'm wrong just correct me chris but so basically each block every person has to go against every person on their block uh and whoever has the most points is the ones that push on b goes one way a goes obviously the other way until it gets down to the 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 last of each to go against each other to win the g1 tournament is that correct and what do you think correct? Everyone a? everyone in Block A
1: will fight everyone else in Block A. Everyone in Block B will fight everyone else in Block B and then on August 12th in Tokyo uh you'll have the Block A winner versus the Block B winner and it's almost like a soccer tournament where it's points based. So you know, if you draw, I believe it's two points. If you lose, it's it's uh, no points. If you win straight up, I think it's three points. I'd have to look. I'd have to look at the official scoring, but it works very similar to how you know the NHL regular season works in, in a bit, and in, in soccer with their their bracketed tournaments. Um, so that's that's kind of the uh, the gist of how that thing breaks out. Then the main thing to know is whoever wins Block A and whoever wins Block B, which they only wrestle people in those blocks. Will be you know battling Monday, August twelfth in Tokyo for a chance to headline Wrestle Kingdom, probably against Okada because I don't see them taking that belt off him anytime soon.
0: Urenmika, um, yeah, I agree with you. Oh, so what did you think about a? Like I said, we got Okada, we got Zack Saber Jr., we got Tanahashi, Ibushi, Evil Sonata, Bad Luck Fale, Lance Archer, which is a kind of a strange one to throw in there. Uh, Will Osprey and Kenta.
1: Well, Lance Archer makes a lot of sense because he's doing a bunch of the local promotions. So I and him, Evil and Bad Luck Folly being in this very strong bracket, I'm assuming they're going to be you know getting wins over each other while giving. Like wins to everyone else in this bracket, because the because the rest of this bracket is super strong when you look at it with Akata, Lex Saber, Tanahashi, Sonata, and and uh, Osprey and Kenta, who I think you know they're going to have to push Kenta a bit here. Um, I this one's weird because like, you could almost see a lot of fifty almost I don't want to say fifty fifty booking, but you're going to see a lot of wins and losses you probably wouldn't expect. And uh evil folly and and Lance Archer kind of just drew the short end of the stick being in this block, I think. But I mean the potential matchups that you have here, these are all like, you know, Okada versus Sonata. Like who the fuck doesn't want to see that? Yeah. Or Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr. Like there's like the potential for great matches in Block A is awesome. The potential for weird matches that could be really, really cool in Block B is also awesome, so I'm looking forward to talking about that one.
0: Yeah, dude, definitely, and kind of like, you know, I don't know, Kenta versus pretty much anyone's going to be very interesting, throwing, you know, a, a legend, but more so known for, you know, from other promotions, and obviously coming back and then being put in the mix of this. Um, but, yeah, Okada he always has great matches with, with all these people, so it's going to be him and Ibushi, um, him and Sonata. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, Kuroshi Tanahashi versus a lot of these guys are going to be interesting. Um, Zack Sabre and Will Ospreay being able to go back to their old rivalry, that's going to be really cool. And like you said, they they definitely have a couple of Hosses involved with Lance Archer, Evil, and, um, and Bad Luck Fale. So, very interesting. Let's look at the uh, the B block. And there's definitely one match. I'm, no, there's two matches because of Moxley I'm excited about. And that's the first two people I'm listing. Tetsuya Naito, Tomohiro Ishii, Juice Robinson, Toro Yano, Hiroki Goto, Jay White, Jeff Cobb, Shingo Takage, Taichi, and John Moxley. And, uh, yeah, I think right off the bat, Moxley and Naito is going to be a fun match. Um, I hope they beat the living shit out of each other. Him and Ishii is going to be a fun match. And I'm really actually, this is going to sound weird, but I'm looking forward to seeing how John Moxley uh, faces up against uh, Yano. I, I, for some reason, that whole concept fascinates the shit out of me. And then him and Jay White is another potential match that seems like it will be awesome. Shingo, uh, and just how, how dominating, him and Ishii. I think that is going to be like two of the smaller bowls, just fucking going head-to-head a bit. Um, Jay White and Naito, I'm looking forward to that clash of of personalities. And also Moxley and Juice Robinson to meet up again uh, based on, obviously, their past. Uh, What what do you think, Chris, about Block B? Probably the match
1: I'm most excited for is uh, Takagi and Moxley. I think that's going to be a really damn good match. I'm obviously looking forward to, to... Uh, uh, Naito versus Jeff Cobb I think that could be a really interesting matchup I can't I don't know that I've ever seen that match before so it's really really intriguing I'm also curious on what they're going to do with Jeff Cobb because I think it's going to affect whatever his ring of honor push is going to be um and like you said I just out of curiosity's sake uh Moxley versus Yano <laughs> I think is going to be very entertaining um there's some stuff that they might pull out of almost of Omega's bag of tricks when he had the match with with, the, with Yano that could be really interesting and fun. Um, I guess Ishii versus Jay White. I I would like to see that match. I think that that's pretty good. Taichi's is the only person in this block that don't really... I think that you could have easily replaced him with Suzuki, um, which I guess we're going to talk about here in a second, but Outside of that, you know, I, I still see Suzuki getting involved in this and building kind of some storylines underneath it just based on the way he's out there promoing about it. And uh, Yano usually gets a win over Suzuki every G1, so I could see him interfering in some of Yano's matches, which could could be entertaining. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm excited. The block, the block B to me is a little weird. I, I kind of wish it was spread out a little bit more, but I understand why they did it the way they did. Also, this gives Naito a a chance to get a little bit of a break um, in some of these matchups. You know, obviously Goto and Yano, he's not going to be going full out or a match against Taichi. I, I don't see him trying to do his normal, give it his his damnedest because um, he's from all accounts a little broken down right now. And I'm assuming if I when I look at this block, when I look at these two blocks. Unfortunately, I, I just look at who I think is going to win both blocks, and I just see a, a Bushi versus Naito like popping off the screen. of That's what's going to happen, and this is going to be your your G1 final, and we're going to get a similar match to what we saw in Dominion, hopefully tamed down a bit.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, I think there's two people though. Uh, one of them we've both kind of hinted at uh, that are. Strangely, not in this uh, tournament like they normally are. There's probably more than that, but two I can think of right off the top of their back. Um, one of them is Minoru Suzuki, who it seems like in Shoot Real Life was not happy with this decision of of this, you know, this <laughs> happening. Unless they're they're building the storyline of him being pissed off that he's not being included in the first time in a very long time. Uh, but his quote. This isn't for you guys. I I just want to talk to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Why the hell am I not in G1? Am I some kind of problem to you? Is it because I torture your precious little Okada like this? I know you all want to see me fight against everyone in G1, don't you? And the fans cheered where he was. Hey, New Japan, do you have ears? Can you hear what they want? There's a saying from an old samurai lord. The only complete defeat comes in not fighting at all. But that's what I want you to choose. Stop pretending you're a bunch of lions. You secured a victory by avoiding the fight. Who wanted this? Who was it? If you listen to the fans, it obviously wasn't them. Armies of Suzuki Gun around the world go ahead and riot. (laughs) God, I know Suzuki. so awesome. It was awesome. It was great. It it seems like. What it what it sounds like is, is a situation where he's he's probably pissed off that he's not included, but he's adding, you know, some some kayfabe in there, like you know a little bit with the Okada comments. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually not aggravated. Um, and like you said, Taichi, or if you're gonna give one of the legends the G one off, uh, I love uh, Tanahashi. But he's beat the fuck up, and we both said, like, if he were to take this year off, we wouldn't have – you know, it wouldn't be that big of a deal just to get his body to heal up. Um, Two years ago, we were talking about his bicep injury and how he was performing at the G1. Two years ago. Uh, But anyways, Chris, Minoru Suzuki's comments, and then I'll move on to Tomatanga. Yeah, well,
1: (laughs) God, I can't wait to talk about Tomatanga. (laughs) He's the best. Uh, Minoru Suzuki got one hell of a promo, man. And to me, it builds into the storyline. I think they were going to see some maybe, which is very uncommon for G1, but we may see some fuck finishes where Suzuki just attacks some people. Um, I'm thinking specifically around Tai Chi and uh, Yano in the B block, but I could also see him going after Okada. Like if Okada's up and he's ahead in points and you need him to take a loss, he made the Okada statement. Maybe, maybe that's where it's going. But to me, you know, they're really saving his buildup to the match that everyone kind of wants to see Justin Thunderliger versus Suzuki for the, you know Justin's last match. And uh I think you know that's where they're going to build that. But uh as far as in this tournament, he's going to be destroying people whether it's in the uh in the prelim matches, the these 3 versus 3 matches, he's going to be there getting getting some revenge in and furthering the storyline. I would have been fine like I said with Tanahashi taking this tournament off, but obviously I, I don't think that's possible now that that you're going to have Okada versus Tanahashi in in that a slot in America. Like that is their that's the big gun main event that they're going to try to sell this pay per view around or not this pay per view but these tickets around for the show. Um, and I, I don't know. Like I said, I mean I think Abushi Abushi is going to be pushed heavily throughout this entire thing. I just have a feeling about that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do some of this booking with so many people stacked into that A-card for sure.
0: Yep, and uh, so the other person I was going to make mention about was Tom And uh, for people that didn't know, back on May 2nd, he made a post saying that he was asked to be taken off the G1 tournament this year. Um, and his reasoning was he wanted to focus – his time mostly on the tag division and what he's doing over in ring of honor with the tag belts and obviously in J- new Japan with the tag belts. Uh, but whether or not that's a work or a shoot, it's going to be strange not seeing Tama Tonga a part of this um, tournament. And last year, kind of like going to what you're saying with the possibility of Minoru Suzuki for the first time in a long time, they started kind of fucking up the G1 flow, him and Tonga low and uh, bad luck folly by screwing over a lot of people. So, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Obviously, that storyline—it was kind of strange to see that. But either way, that guy uh, is, is, pull, is, is apparently um, uh, pulling his shots based with this. What do you think? I think that's just
1: more. They shot. didn't have. The, I don't think they really had a good spot for him. He's got the. He's. They're the tag team right now. Uh, I, that's the one thing I will say about New Japan is that their tag team division is is a little weak. I, I can't. I mean, I, as much as I love you know, watching Evil and, and Sonata uh, <laughs> face face the Gorillas of Destiny, there's only so many times I could see that match. And a lot of the matchups they're getting in uh, Ring of Honor right now are a lot fresher. Uh, I will say, you know, that storyline that they built out of last D1, and I normally never say this about Gato, to me, that went fucking nowhere.
2: Yeah. I mean, we
1: got good guy Kamatanga for a little bit, and then obviously it just crashed and burned. And I don't know if that's because the Young Bucks left and... and yeah, the Bullet Club kind of split up on its own. But, uh, that, that, the, that, I was really sad because he was cutting some amazing promos. I thought the stuff in the G1 was really good for what they were going for, and, and it didn't really get a payoff. And, and I don't know, he, that's a hard thing to say about most New Japan stuff.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. It just seems like due to the, uh, you know, everything that was going on with where people were going, the end of the Bullet Club, or at least the pre-Jay White era, um, kind of just fumbled towards the end. And we didn't get, like, you know, a last match with the old school guys and the new school guys. And they just went on from there. But, uh, you know, what are what, what you going to do? What you going to do, brother? Um, question, Chris? Looking at the schedule for the matches, is there a certain day based on the amount of matches, a certain match in general that you're looking forward to before we move on to some of this wacky, wonderful WWE stuff?
2: Right off the bat,
1: I mean, I have to say that day one of the tournament. I mean, just look at what they actually have scheduled for that thing. I know it's not it's not as exciting as if Moxley was there in America having a a new Japan match and that's unfortunate. But if you look at how that thing is laid out, that card is stacked. Like that is going to be a good ass card. Um, and then outside of that, I'm really looking forward to, uh, let me look through this again. I just had it.
0: Put on your old people glasses so you can see your reading Uh. glasses.
1: Um, a, a Saturday, August third, Akada versus Sonata, Tanahashi versus Ibushi, Osprey versus Evil, Kenta versus Bad Luck Fale, and Zack Saber Jr. versus Lance Archer. I think that could be one, one day that people are kind of sleeping on. The B blocks are a little weird. There's, I think it's more that like a lot of the matchups I want. Like the August first matchup with a, uh, a Juice versus Nato, Ishii versus Goto, Yano versus Moxley. Cobb versus Takagi, which I think could be a sleeper dark horse match for, like, one of the best matches in this whole tournament. Um, yep. And Tai Chi versus Jay White could be a very interesting card. But it's more just because it's, like, I think that Jeff Cobb-Shingo-Takagi match is going to be way fucking better than anyone would expect. And that's one that, like, highlight and stands out to me for sure. But day one, as far as, like, your full card, that's, that's probably the one I'm most excited about because I get to see Okada versus Tanahashi again, which is always fucking awesome
0: yeah like I said anyone going to that and bitching about it you're seeing the Japanese mega powers fight each other again fuck off Jesus and it's a G1 match so you know it's going to be good um, but I, I'm just you know I'm just jealous that I'm not going that's, that's the main thing but dude G1 tournament it's always a lot of fun it's always uh, kind of exhausting uh, I always try to keep up with it the last this will be the fourth summer now I think maybe the third uh, but it usually ends up getting so far in advance that I have to find a list and go back and watch certain matches and try to keep up with that way. Either way, if you get a chance to watch some of it or even the finals, it's an awesome tournament concept in which you get to see two blocks of wrestlers, them wrestle literally every single person on there in advance so that there's one from each, and that winner gets, like we said, a main event slot at Russell Kingdom. Uh, So check it out, and we'll move on um, to, look, I mean, (laughs) I don't think it was the greatest thing ever or anything like that, but I have to call a spade a spade that I did think, especially Raw, was uh, a hell of a lot better this week. Um, I pretty much liked the majority of the show. Uh, Most of the stuff I had problems were kind of nitpicks, uh, but they kept my attention the whole entire time. They included a lot of storyline-driven stuff to kind of get us to places instead of just, you know. And they even had—I'm I'm not going to say Goodfellas-level camera work—but they had some pretty, uh, pretty cool camera techniques um, that they utilize uh, throughout the episode that I was pretty impressed by. So I was like, whoa, maybe they're not smoking crack over there, or maybe Vince is not smoking crack over there. I don't know, Chris. What do you think before we go into this about Ron SmackDown this week?
1: Honestly, entertaining show. I'm not going to go on the limit. I'm not going to say it was good. Like, you know, like AEW's last pay per view was good. That was a good show. But what I will say, it was an entertaining show that kept my attention, and I didn't spend 90% of the time wanting to turn it off. So, from that standpoint, it was uh. Or looking good. at yourself. Yeah, just like high level, though. Um, I don't understand why there were so many, like, two out of three stipulation matches. Um and also I still think that they're this the wild card thing. I know that they're trying to build to a pay per view, but I literally saw the bo- like the majority of what we saw in both Raw and SmackDown were the same exact people.
2: Yep. Uh,
0: it looks like the others are gonna have to go chase for that twenty four seven title. But um let's get to the uh the beginning and we'll break this down. The show opened with Elias uh basically, you know, doing this whole shtick uh and telling Baron Corbin uh to let him be the special guest referee for the Universal Championship match at Stomping Ground. And um then says Rollins came and kicked the shit out of him with a chair. Uh and um yeah, and then gave him the uh the, the 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 I don't think they call it the curb stomp anymore, but uh it started with that and then pretty much every single person came out And gave poor Elias their fucking finisher. You know, Elias in interviews sounded like he was trying to keep away uh, in certain regards to being compared to Jeff Jarrett and Honky Top Man. And it's funny uh, because in retrospect, I could see both of their asses in the past getting just thrown around like, you know, and and the shit kicked out of them by uh, all the baby faces. Because that's exactly what happened. Actually, some of the heels, even Bobby Lashley and Cesaro fucked them up. Uh, But anyways, it started with The Miz. Then Ricochet came out and did his. Then Bobby Lashley came out and did his finisher. Then Cesaro did his neutralizing, whatever the fuck. Braun Strowman came out. Then he kicked his ass. And uh, then they had a match. They had a five-way match. And the winner of this was going to go against Samoa Joe for the U.S. title. And um, pretty good match. Uh, I was happy to see that Cesaro uh, was was okay. He had the match last week where a lot of people kind of assumed that he might have fucked up one of his legs when uh, Ricochet accidentally did his move on his legs instead of across his chest. Actually, Cesaro was just really selling, uh, so he let everyone know that that he didn't hurt anything. So, damn, Cesaro, though, his strength level, how he was able to pick up Braun Strowman twice in the whole thing, pretty fucking incredible. Uh, but, like I said, fun match. It ended up being um, Bobby Lashley and Cesaro both got pinned. Uh, and then the Miz got kind of knocked outside and then Ricochet was getting his ass kicked by Braun Strowman. Bobby, Bobby Lashley and Cesaro got back involved with the match and helped Ricochet for some reason. And Ricochet joined the keels in pinning Braun Strowman. And then it was down to Ricochet and the Miz and the Miz lost. And then Samojo came in and kicked the shit out of Ricochet. Looking forward to their match. I think that, Ricochet moves really well with smaller guys, as he's proved in the past with AJ and certain other wrestlers, obviously. And they're both extremely efficient in-ring performers. So their their, their difference in styles, I think are going to make up for a really cool story uh, told that I'm actually looking forward to this weekend. Um, really thought they were going with The Miz because I thought they set it up with, uh, you know, when uh, Joe was on his show and kind of threw shade at his family, but that's not, Apparently the, the the place they were going with it. Uh, the weirdest thing was Ricochet kind of helping out the heels, but then again, I guess they were going against Braun Strowman, who's basically this generation's big show. Uh, the way he's booked, which is not a good, not a bad thing, but also not the greatest thing at the same time. Either way, Chris, I've rambled enough about this match. What the fuck did you think about it? Good sir, I'll, I like this
1: match minus two spots. One, I'm I'm tired of watching Braun run around and do the ring I know it's like built into his moveset but it, it just looks it always looks, it looks super fucking lame and uh, the other one is uh, the, the, the ricochet spot it didn't make any sense to me you do the same spot and just leave him laid out and have ricochet get the pin and not know what happened and it's the same spot and Braun doesn't look any weaker from it than having three guys pin him at one time to me it made ricochet almost come off like a heel he literally saw these guys hit Braun with both their finishers and then he just went up top and hit his finisher, and they all three pinned him. And then they just left, which is not also not a very heel thing to do. <laughs> like, they didn't fuck up Ricochet or Miz on the way out. So, like, really the only person that came off looking like a sympathetic babyface in the entire thing, which is unfortunate because they – like, I also, on SmackDown, I thought he cut, like, a really great babyface promo was the Miz. <laughs> um and I really thought, I was like, oh, man, Miz is going to win this because Ricochet did something shitty, and that would be a good way to book it because he's the only person in this match that didn't do anything shitty, kind of, um, besides Braun, who was eliminated. Uh, and they went with Ricochet, and I think that's going to be a really great match against Samoa Joe. I, I look way more forward to that match than Joe versus Miz, for instance. But, uh, yeah, weird booking. I like the match overall. Uh, the segment at the beginning, it's, you know, poor Elias. He just gets killed by anyone, everyone anyway, so it didn't really... I didn't go one way or the other. What I will say is, it did set up a pretty good storyline with uh, Seth Rollins in this fucking chair for the next two days. So, I uh, overall, I kind of liked the the way they started this thing out.
0: Yeah, not very babyface, Briscoe uh, or Seth Rollins destroying everyone with chairs, including people that he just accused of. I don't know. I think Seth's losing him a little bit. He's uh, so,
2: getting crazy.
0: So
1: I wish I wish they would focus more on that because I think the idea and what they're trying to build is that he's not really scared of Corbin or any of these geeks. He's just scared of Brock Lesnar cashing in on him at the most inopportune time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely think that's that's what they were going for, but who knows? They could be going a completely opposite place, and maybe I, I wish he end was like killing, chair.
1: Yeah, I wish he was kind of like out there killing. Like absolutely killing these these poor ref dudes going into this thing, but the entire time talking shit about Brock Lesnar, and like only not focused on Baron, (laughs) or or this these geek referees because like Baron and whoever he gets as a referee is going to be a bunch of fucking geeks, so who gives a shit? But like him specifically being worried about Brock Lesnar gives you a storyline for the future. And the fact that you had Paul Heyman on those shows, I think that's what they're going for. And if they can really nail that down and send it home, I think it could be really good. But I, I definitely liked what they did with Seth Rollins. I just want them to turn it up just a little bit.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I would definitely enjoy that. I just want him to go full crazy a little bit and just you know be a little bit off his rocker. He's a very intense individual. It's all that Dane CrossFit. Um, then we had, uh, you know... Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch going back and forth in the ring with each other. Uh, I I forgot what the hell – oh, Lacey Evans called Becky a nasty, and that kind of got Beck, under Becky's skin, I guess, and she just gave her a Beck-sploder into the ring. Um, and that was about it. You know, I'm not going to actually complain about the segment because – I I think she definitely is still green as shit when it comes to her in-ring work, but Lacey's good about you know being the heel and getting over people that are saying what and doing that whole entire thing. So give her give her credit where it's due. Um, still not looking forward to this match at all, but what are you gonna do? We're, we're gonna see it anyways. Chris, <laughs> what did you think about this?
1: I, I the promos were fine. It's it's more of the same that we've heard from both of them. Lacey just talking about Becky. As the man the entire time, and and her being the lady, it was just recycled, very much like no one fucking talks like this. And then she just got well, in the ring, was, got
0: immediately, immediately got a back exploder, like immediately. I was gonna say it was interesting um, having her bring up the fact that she was in the military this time involving it, but I liked how Becky countered it and was like, yeah, since you were in the military, I would expect you not to be a sleaze ball, basically. So that, that yeah, back, so basically yeah, they the just immediately buried
1: they immediately buried the fact that she's a former Marine and former police officer or whatever. Things they could have actually built a cool character around instead of just Very having her point. be like a weird 50s pinup girl and then immediately just gave her a fucking back exploder. She did do like the Stacy Keebler like long get in the ring pose. I don't know if you noticed that but she did it away from oh, the camera. And then I definitely noticed that. <laughs> but then she definitely just ate a fucking back like, right. It, I did like that her like like she got exploded right out of one of her shoes, which I thought was like aesthetically looked kind of cool.
0: But <laughs> did you like Becky wearing her uh, her uh, her her veil and her hat up the ramp? I thought that was hilarious.
2: Yes,
1: I thought that was. I think I even sent you a funny uh, uh, like a text right after. Like this shit was funny when she put the hat on. Um, <laughs> but I, like overall, the segment was fine. I don't understand your heels getting her ass beat before the pay-per-view after she's already taken some losses going into this thing. Like Charlotte beat her ass recently. Um, So actually caring about or thinking that Lacey has any shot at all against Becky Lynch is, is a little impossible in, and she's just not ready for where she's at, honestly. And like, I get it. They like her. I think she's got a good look. I think like her actual real life story is a lot better than her character. And I think she can get better. Like the women's right. It's got a cool name. It's a pretty good-looking finisher. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, she's a weird character. I wish they would flesh it out a little bit and uh, maybe not just do the same thing week after week. At least she's not just walking out randomly on the entrance ramp anymore. And, I mean, the only way she's going to get better oh, is to yeah. get work. It's just, it's just weird to put her in a championship match against who going into Mania was your, pro- I would say, the second hottest star. I know people debate that with me, but I think, Kof- like, Kofi surpassed her as far as being the biggest star that they have, Um, which isn't her fault. That's just kind of how things shook out with her getting injured and Kofi just catching on fire right before Mania. But, uh, she, I mean, by far, she's your biggest female star. And uh, putting her in matches against Lacey that are not going to be great matches isn't necessarily anything the fans are going to get excited about, which is unfortunate because it's almost like they're cooling her off unintentionally.
0: I, You know, I hate to do armchair booking uh, like I always do, but I just feel like if they would have kept Lacey in NXT and helped her run and get better within the women's division, also become like a champion within there, and would have taken the title off of Shayna Baszler and put her in this position of being the feuding heel on Raw with Becky and the potential other baby faces, probably would have fucking helped out a lot just with everything. Then again... I love Shayna Baszler, but she does sound like Mickey Mouse when she's cutting a promo. So I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe she'll get uh, a bit exploited by Miss Becky Lynch. I don't know. You know, uh,
1: well, me saying what, that, what like, thinking? if you take if you if you take out the wild card rule, that leaves you with literally Alexa Nikki Cross and fucking Alexa Nikki Cross. I guess Natalia's on Raw, and God, there's probably someone. Like, I don't. Is Tamina on Raw? Because honestly, just because the of the way the, the just because of the way the brand split, like Lacey Evans is honestly their best option for someone to feud with Becky Lynch, which is so, uh, sad because they have two of the best female wrestlers in the entire world thrown into a tag team who haven't been seen on TV in three fucking months. No. Like, yeah, like, there's well, plenty of stuff yeah. they could be doing with Becky that they're not doing. <laughs> At the same time, it's like, like Charlotte hasn't been on TV either. Yeah, that's a point. Like, you know, like Becky needs a good heel to go against, and Shayna Baszler is probably. I thought for sure that they were gonna pull the trigger on her losing the title just because Becky needs someone to actually have matches with, and she's had a billion matches with Natalia, and like no one's gonna take Tamina seriously, and that really only leaves you Naomi after Lacey Evans, and I guess you could implement the wild card rule, but they haven't built up any other stars. Like Alexa Bliss is going against Bailey. Nikki Cross is tied into that program, and your two best, I mean, unless you, and Ember Moon is tied into a program with Mandy Rhodes, so, or Mandy Rose and uh, Sonia, so where the fuck, who is Becky wrestling next? Like, hopefully, hopefully the answer is, like, Ronda decided she didn't want to get pregnant and comes back, because they have dick all for her to do until they bring Charlotte Black. On. What is Aja Kong doing? <laughs> can she can she All work right. on both shows? I fucking love her, but you get what I'm saying, like yeah. Lacey Evans honestly is not the worst choice for her to face. It's just gonna be a bad match. Like I I don't I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. And and they you know it would have been easy for you to just shift. It. My assumption is Ember Moon is hurt because like otherwise why would you not have Ember Moon going after one of these titles because she's. If you're not, if you're going to do the tag team thing with Carrie Zane and Oscar, and Charlotte's going to be out for a little bit for whatever reason, we don't know why. Um, as of right now, uh, originally I thought it was because Andretti's, uh mother had passed away and they both kind of took time off, but Andrade's back, so I don't know yep. what the hell they're doing with Charlotte. Uh, and outside of that, I don't like, know, you, man. they have no other female competitors, and, and Alexa Bliss isn't really. Like, <sighs> She's going against Bayley, but it's not really believable unless Bayley gets screwed over and you can't take the title off her this soon. And she's on Raw, but technically on SmackDown right now. This wild card shit sucks for the women's division, and it should be the one division that's helped the most by it because they don't need fucking two titles. Like, I hate to say that. They don't need two titles. The women should just go wrestle wherever the hell they want for one title.
0: I completely agree with you, man. I, I I feel the same way about the women's tag, which is already like that. I don't even know if it should exist, honestly. And the tag titles themselves. I think that if you want to keep the fucking universal on RAW with the the U.S. belt and the fucking that's fine. But there's not a big enough. There's not enough people in those divisions to cater towards two separate fucking divisions. It's just not. It doesn't make any goddamn sense.
1: I mean, if you bring – if Scarlett comes back and you somehow convince Sasha to come back, which from all likelihood doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but if you tell Sasha she's coming back to go against Becky, maybe that's the thing that could get her to come back. And that's where you have to go after this. Other that, Either that or you have to bring up Baszler. I I just don't – there's no other competition. You can't just go randomly get someone that's a big name in the female division because – No. I mean, AEW has done a really good job of grabbing all those people up. Like, all the people that I'd want to see her go against, and, like, for what they've done with Carrie Zane and Asuka, I don't know that they would be dying to come over here anyways, unless you're going to go out and try to sign someone like Rosemary, who I think is still under contract. Like, I don't know of a big female name you can bring in, because WWE did a good job of building all of these female wrestlers, and they're not on the all fucking show. The they have counter. two titles,
0: like and said, Sasha's I mean... stuck. In it seems like Shimmers <laughs> Shimmers got their roster, who obviously they have a lot of great ones. Impact's got a lot of names tied up with them that could, I think, be big in WWE between, you said Rosemary, Tessa Blanchard, uh, Kira Hogan. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, uh, Jordan Grace. Um, you know, I know Allie went over, uh, and obviously they have Lauren Green, but she broke her hand, I think. Um, or Chelsea Green, I mean. Um, it sucks and then yeah obviously there's a lot of great female talent over at AEW and I'm not saying they need more talent but they need to do something if they like I said I would grab Shayna Baszler and if you need more heels Rhea Ripley's a badass and she's kind of just chilling over in fucking UK and I I like AEW or AEW I love uh, NXT UK, but if you need a badass heel, just fucking grab her. She's good at wrestling. Very similar in concept, I guess, to Shayna Baszler. But I'm just saying they have outlets to be able to pull from if they want to. Um, yeah. I, I, and, and like I said, what it, what it, what it really comes down to is, two. You don't
1: need two belts, like no for the women's division. You don't. I think you get better matches. I think there's easier ways to build stars if you can have top stars work with someone like Ember, like if you have an Asuka working with Ember and not directly for a title, or Alexa building her way back up to a title as opposed to this weird switch that they have going on, the two titles, you can make these people important. What The reason the Four Horsemen was so damn good is because they were all feuding in NXT together. And they all kind of came up together, and you had a built-in – feud between you know the the new what female wrestling is going to look like versus what the old was, which was like the Bellas, and and they built that into the storyline. and made a really good storyline out of it, and you also had all of this compassion for those female wrestlers. Well, one of them's not
0: there. Well, look, Charlotte agree, is on hiatus, but we're about to hit we're about to hit a fucking iceberg <laughs> at this point from promo <laughs> between Jesus. Lacey Evans and. And uh, and uh, Becky Lynch. But I agree with you completely, and I hope that they figure this shit out. But we'll have to wait and find out what happens after this weekend because we're, it's going to be basically – I hope it is Sasha, but who knows if she's on vacation still, you know, fucking waiting under contract. Either way, we had Seth Rollins um, attack the shit out of Baron Corbin with his chair uh, while he was doing an interview about uh, having to pick up a new special guest referee because obviously Elias is going to be out. Um, most people get hit by a chair a couple times or are ready for the next show, but apparently Seth's got one hell of a steel chair. Uh, followed up by Daniel Bryan with Rowan cutting a short promo about how Raw and Los Angeles suck. Uh, Viking Raiders interrupted and stared them down briefly right before their match. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people taking shots at um, – LeBron James and the Lakers, a uh, very heelish move uh, with the sports team stuff. Kind of got a little bit of, like, we got it. I get it. You guys, cool. Um, G.P., if you will. Chris, what did you think about these two interviews?
1: Uh, I liked Seth attacking Barron. Um, with the Elias thing, I, he shouldn't have been on, the, on SmackDown because he got killed with everyone's finisher and a bunch of chair shots. So just sell that he was injured. And then it makes more sense yeah. the other refs, after they got attacked, would be a little scared of Seth um, if you had one guy that was completely taken out, um, which you could easily do because he did get hit with everyone's finisher. Outside of that, like, um, the the the, the cheap heat all night against the Lakers, it's whatever. People are shitting on the Lakers. I get it. And uh, the War Raiders, the actual match itself, it, it was fine. Squash match. I do think it's weird. They said they build their own armor and, like, make their own weapons and kill their own food, and then they came out with something that looked like it definitely
0: was just made by the costume department. Like, almost Bludgeon Brothers-esque <laughs> bad. It probably was. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, the uh, Russ and Randy Taylor, they both lost to the Viking Raiders, but the, the bigger thing was after the match, obviously a squash match, R-Truth and Carmella were revealed in disguise at ringside, uh, causing the 24-7 Championship division to chase them around. Uh, how the fuck did they think that they weren't going to stand out when Carmelo was dressed up as Groucho Marx, um, and obviously had <laughs> on a white wig, a white mustache, and they were holding a baby. Um, well, pretty funny they're... stuff, man. I have to say, I mean, besides the Firefly Fun uh, Fire, God damn, it, so hard to say. Firefly Funhouse. This is my other favorite shit to watch. Uh, because it's entertaining, sports entertaining. Yeah, I mean – well, the
1: idea is that our truth has never been portrayed as a very smart character, so for him to think that this was a good idea is not unexpected. Uh, the more the problem is, is like if you're going to do it, don't sit in front row. Maybe sit like <laughs> – three hundred seats up, then no one would ever find you kind of think. But yeah, it was fun. I mean, I, I have no problem with the Archery stuff. Obviously I, I don't think it it's not the same it doesn't scratch the same itch as what like Crash Holly was doing with the, the hardcore title or, or you know uh, that whole scene to me was a lot better and it did actually end up with actual books, hardcore matches. This is just here's a Benny Hill moment. Yeah. And it's fun and I enjoy it and I think that Tree's been doing a really good job with it. Um And it's entertaining, but at the same time, it's
2: uh, – I don't know.
1: I just look at it, and I'm like, that was fun, and then it's over, and
0: I don't ever think about it until (laughs) the next time it happens kind of thing. Well, here's something to think about is the fact that a part of the Geek Army trying to get the 24-7 championship were ex-RAW champions uh, Zach Ryder and Kirk Hawkins, so they've already joined the Geek Squad, if you will. Um God, Bobby Roode's not doing a damn thing either. I thought they repackaged him a bit, made him a heel. No, he's running after the fucking 24-7 title. Whatever. Uh, it's not as bad as EC3, but we'll get to that. Uh, so there was a cool thing after this happened, and they got chased out. They decided to, you know, it was all a callback for later on, but have the camera go through the audience and up through a part where the suites are over in the Lakers, uh, whatever the fuck they were, over in that arena, and over there, The Revival and Drew McIntyre were attending a catered get-together by Shane McMahon, kind of showing forth almost like the like they are a faction, I guess, um, maybe including Elias. I'm not 100% sure, but, uh, you know, they had steak and lobsters and champagne. Um, yeah, I, I, I would go to that. But uh, just ended up being a bunch of segments that at one point Heath Slater interrupted. Uh, you know, asking for a raise because uh, he's got kids. And Shane turned him down and kind of, like, pointed towards Drew McIntyre. I'm, I'm still not digging Drew McIntyre being Shane's, uh, you know, go-to errand boy, but whatever. Uh, McIntyre followed Slater out into the hall, um, kind of a callback to them having three MB – or whatever the hell their group was with Jinder Mahal uh, from back in the day, and McIntyre wanted to help him out and give him some money He told him, no, don't worry about it, and then McIntyre dropped the money. And while Heath Slater was trying to pick it up, McIntyre just kicked the shit out of him. Uh, I like this because the second time where Shane McMahon's like, dude, what the hell's up? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're psycho, because he was just beating the crap out of him. And the revival, funny as shit, I don't know if they were told to do this or they just started doing it. Scott Dawson just started, like, going down and grabbing the money real quick and putting it into his pockets. And kind of like they – by the end of it, all the money that had fallen down the hallway, they were both stuffed in their pockets with it, trying to be discreet. So that was pretty funny, but uh, interesting concept. And uh, we'll get back to them showing us the way of where they were uh, and how it relates to Roman Reigns in a later segment. But how would you like this and all the stuff with you I later.
1: Actually, I actually – I thought that was really well done, how they went back through the hallway. And it also made your baby face for once not look like a fucking idiot. Like, they literally showed him on camera exactly where those assholes were, <laughs> like, walking directly back through that path, like you said. I love that segment. I thought it was really funny. Um, I like seeing the revival with Shane I'm, as far – I'm not a huge fan of Shane's push, but if, if you're going to do it anyways, putting the revival there kind of gives a little bit of legitimacy to it with them being tag champions. Um and it, it does make for some weird scenario where Drew McIntyre could just get pissed and demolish them, and you get some dissension between him and Shane, which I think is eventually where this is going to go. It, it's almost like they're going to turn Drew McIntyre babyface. Otherwise, I don't see why he would be anyone's lackey. You know what I mean? And it, it, like, if yeah. he just snaps, then and, and destroys Shane, and Shane's had this giant run, then um, maybe it makes a bit more sense. But I just honestly, I, I God, I. <sighs> Roman doesn't need to take another loss at this pay-per-view, but Drew also doesn't need to take another loss. It's almost like why the fuck even do the match? Why not do something else or like do some kind of like Roman versus the Revival or something? You know what I mean? That 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 piece to me is a little weird
0: i agree with you i think it's a lose-lose situation seems like there'll be a fuck finish probably to save both guys and it will just be completely underwhelming maybe with shane in the revival coming out and helping out drew beat the crap out of roman and seth will come down something stupid like that maybe because of this seth will come out and help roman after he beats baron corbin and he gets fucked up and then brock lesnar cashes in probably not because that would be actually kind of cool um Baron Corbin was a guest on the Sammy and Kevin Owens show to introduce a special guest referee, EC3. Uh, when he showed them, Seth Rollins immediately beat the shit out of him with a steel chair. New Day interrupted and used EC3's unconscious body, um, Weekend at Burning Style, called out by uh, Corey Graves on uh, commentary to sanction and announce their match. Um, and before we got that, we also had AJ Styles running into the Good Brothers backstage and gave them kind of like tough love pep talk to get them back into it because they had a match later on with the Usos that we'll get to. What do you think about the segment with Baron Corbin, EC3 getting the shit knocked out of him, weekend at Bernie's, and then also do you think there's anything, any any fire to the smoke of AJ Styles trying to rally up the good brothers? Can we see a faction or are they going to just continue to lose until their contracts are up? I think they're going to continue to lose until their contracts are up, and you're going to see AJ probably turn on them
1: um, and, and try to bury it even further, unfortunately. I honestly do see them pinned for AEW. They'd be a great tag team and a good fit there. And uh, the, the EC3 stuff, I, I thought it was entertaining. It sucks for EC3. They haven't done anything with them anyways. And uh, New Day did, like, I don't know if it's his idea for that spot, but the weekends at Bernie shit was funny. And uh, obviously furthering Seth chair obsession and uh being scared which kind of played into paul Heyman's promo where he was like i definitely don't want to be the referee <laughs> later on which i also liked a lot
0: yeah i agree paul Heyman coming out and saying all that stuff and just kind of hyping brock i'm glad if they're going to do that with paul chris you know, I'm glad they're not like saying that Brock Lesnar is definitely going to be there and then he doesn't do anything. If they're just going to like, maybe he will, maybe he won't, it, it at least keeps a mystery and doesn't kind of promise things to people buying tickets, it doesn't happen. Uh, but the new day, yeah, I, I, like I, I will say I'm
1: more, I'm way more fond of that than what they were doing before, which brought like was Brock was actually on the fucking show. Like, if Paul's just exactly. saying, hey, he might be here, I like that a lot better.
0: Yeah, it keeps it open-ended and doesn't, like, promise things to people uh, that they paid for. Uh, the New Day went against Baron Corbin, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Xavier Woods pinned Zayn quickly with a roll-up to win the first fall. Oh, yeah, it was two out of three. They're doing those now. You know what would be great? It's two out of three falls. People love it. It's good shit. Um, but anyways, Corbin accidentally and Zayn. Uh, in the second fall, causing he and Owens to get into a shoving match. Owens superkick Corbin, allowing Kingston to hit Trouble in Paradise and win the match. It's um, fun seeing the New Day just beat the crap out of the heels. Although, how the fuck am I supposed to believe that Baron Corbin is going to win the title when he's lost? I think his last three matches.
1: I, you know, the entire storyline is not that Baron Corbin has a shot to win the title. It's more that Seth is fucking spiraling because he's scared of Brock and losing his title to Money in the Bank. I think that's the actual story. I think they're doing a piss poor job of telling you that. But also, like, I would hate that, it, like, if he beat Kofi, I know Alvarez pitched that on his podcast that he would have had Baron beat Kofi. I think that's insane because Kofi is one of the the only good things they've booked and he hasn't lost yep. a match since Mania. So, like, having him lose to Corbin, to me, would make him, look like, a huge fucking geek. So uh, I was fine with it, and honestly, I don't think even if Baron got a win there, it it doesn't move the meter at all as far as people thinking that he's got a shot against Seth unless somehow Baron – or unless somehow you know Lesnar fucks up a cash-in or something.
0: Which could probably happen because that does happen. Uh, But yeah, so Paul Heyman came out, like I said. We already talked about that. Um, But yeah, I do like that story going on, and I hope that continues to get in Seth's head. Uh, then Baron Corbin tried to get Eric Young to referee the match at Stomping Grounds. Young said he'd think about it, met up with Rollins, said, hey, man, if you saw anything, I said I'd think about it, but that's bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And Rollins was like, no, nah, man, we've, know, we've known each other for for a long time. And then still hit Eric Young with the chair. So, like we said, he's he's uh, going crazy a bit, um, and he's even going after people that he knows. Um Weird to see Eric Young without facial hair, and I'm glad to know that he's still a part of the roster.
1: It is really weird seeing him without facial hair, or hair in general. Like, when he shaved his head, that was weird to me. But uh, it's just because I've seen Eric Young for so damn long from back in the day in Impact. Let me ask
0: you something about Eric Young, Chris. Do you think that... He's just someone that's going to end up probably being a trainer and or road agent, producer, that style person within WWE.
1: I mean, more than likely, he didn't come in with the same prestige as someone like an AJ Styles or even a Bobby Roode, in my opinion. I think he was over an impact because – The fans behind Impact had a real cult following for him, and he he did have some good stuff with Ken Anderson and some other people while he was there. But he was always a little bit of a comedy character for most of his run. He's a great wrestler and and very good in ring, and I think that is a good role for Eric Young. I just don't ever see WWE getting behind him, and I, I I kind of never did, especially after they disbanded Sanity. But uh yeah, I could definitely see him in like an agent role and I think he'd be fine with that. It's it it's hard to it's easy to forget that Eric Young is young is also one of those guys that's like thirty seven, thirty eight years old and maybe ready to wind down, you know?
0: Absolutely. I mean he's probably putting a lot of miles on the car, so I could see that too. It just because Sanity I don't I, I think they have some plans for Killian Dane. We obviously know that Nikki Cross is doing what she's doing in the women's division. Alexander Wolfe just joined up with his old teammates in NXT UK that were called the European Union with Walter and uh, Marcel Bartel and uh, Fabian Eichner. I think they're now called the Imperium, which is a really, really cool faction. So he's over there. Um, but, yeah, Eric Young's kind of on the sideline. I still think it would be interesting. If they care about the story, you got four guys that were all top guys over at TNA just chilling on your roster with Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode. EC3, Eric Young. They all can have chips on their shoulder. If they did fucking factions in WWE, it would be kind of meta and cool. Very similar to AJ with the club and possibly Finn Balor, but, you know, there's that. Um, I I would like a return of more factions. Like, if they actually do keep the bloodline, you know, Roman Reigns and the Usos, as a pairing sometimes and kind of pop them up in different places, give a reason to put Undisputed Era... In one of these places, because factions are just cool, man, and uh, WWE just doesn't. Vince doesn't know cool, man. He doesn't like the tournaments. He doesn't like factions, bro. You know. What the fuck? He 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 he's the opposite of Gato. <laughs> he is the opposite in a lot of, of ways. You can what the have, fuck is it Gato? As,
1: as Gato has proven. You can have factions and still make those guys fight each other. You just book a fucking yeah. tournament. And then they gotta fight each other, <laughs> and then that makes yeah, intrigue. <laughs> like watching Roderick Strong versus fucking, uh, or no, O'Reilly versus uh, Adam Cole would be amazing. Who doesn't want to see that? That would be awesome, especially if they're still on a crew
0: together. I agree. I completely agree. Well, the Usos uh, win against Gallows and Anderson, and they end up winning uh, with the double super kick. AJ was shown backstage, very upset. Uh, from the whole thing. He was mad, man. He's from Gainesville, fucking Georgia. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, my hometown. <laughs>
2: exactly. I, are,
1: real quick on that, like, the Uso should have gave them zero offense, in my opinion, because they're not going to do anything in Gallows, Gallows and Anderson, but uh, they came out really strong and then lost, so who knows? I could be wrong that. Maybe but they, just maybe they get are.
0: Maybe they're trying to give him like a good way on the way out. I don't know. They made a big deal. Maybe they want to get Miles now out of the club association while they can until they leave. And then that's kind of like very similar with Dean with the, uh, the shield. It's not so much about like giving him the good way out. It's paying him $100 on his last show, but trying to exploit the fuck out of something that's popular within wrestling. Um, something that's popular within the, uh, within wrestling, especially the kiddies is Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns challenged Shane McMahon to face him in the ring. McMahon answered on Titantron, telling him no, that he had other things that he was doing. Drew McIntyre began threatening Reigns and then uh, brought his family into it. So I love I loved the whole thing that happened. So they showed us earlier where the fuck they were. They were over in their little VIP lounge. So Roman just throws the mic. Drew's still trying to cut a promo. He just mentioned his family. That's what pushed Roman over the edge. Shane's realizing, like, oh, shit, where the fuck is Roman? Roman starts going up there, sends a revival out. Roman kicks the shit out of them in the hallway, goes in the room, takes out Drew, and then chases uh, Shane uh, out of the uh, VIP suite. Reigns uh, then lays out Shane with a Superman punch and a spear and told him to crawl in the back and tell Drew McIntyre Roman's going to whoop his ass on Sunday. I like seeing this intensity out of Roman Reigns. I like seeing this personality out of Roman Reigns. Please keep on doing this. Do not make him a fucking robot. Thought this whole thing was awesome. Awesome! Uh, If I was Brian Alvarez. What would you think, Chris? The best part about this is that Roman
1: started it out with a normal Roman promo, but when they said something about his kids, he fucking snapped. And, like, you know what? That's how Roman should be in general. As soon as someone insults him, like, who gives a shit? He should just drop the mic and stop talking. Roman doesn't really need to talk at this point. I would like to see them give more of his personality, but I don't trust WWE to do that. And I thought this was a good setup. And I know a lot of people hate the shit with Shane McMahon, but they've never been able, like, besides Brock, they haven't been able to give Roman a good opponent. So I, it's they're not good at building hills, really. Like, if we're being honest, unless it's one of the people from the Shield, they haven't been able to give him a good opponent besides Brock. And Shane being this guy with Drew McIntyre there does give him something to do. And the fans are getting behind it a little bit. Or at least the fans in this building popped really hard when he just went back there and beat everybody's ass and then said, I'm going to kick Drew McIntyre's ass. So, actually, you know, I it, it made Drew McIntyre look weak. But uh, it, Drew tried to get some of his heat back, obviously, by Claymore kicking the shit out of Miz, which was like a 3v1 situation. So it didn't really work on SmackDown. But, uh, yeah, I, I like this segment. And I do like a uh, more angry, cussing, Roman Reigns... And uh, if you could just channel a little bit of the Usos, like turn his personality up, let him kinda do his thing. Maybe we'll have a reason to like Roman Reigns. I like Roman Reigns exactly. personally, but you gotta convince the entire WWE audience to like Roman Reigns.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you, man. And I, I just I dug the way that they set this up. Like I said, I thought the, the the way that they went about shooting it, it's kinda like they made Roman Reigns uh like uh like, John Wick, all of a sudden, except for he wasn't that good with martial arts. He just beat the of people. Um, well, anyways, yeah, they we made to... him
2: –
1: instead of just being a dumb babyface that gets his ass kicked every week, they made him actually smart. He's like, I know where these fuckers are because I was backstage watching this on the monitor. It, it made sense.
0: <laughs> exactly. All right, so we have the uh, Women's Tag Team Championship match, the Iconics, going against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. This was set up early in the night when Alexa Bliss gave Nikki Cross, for some reason, a fucking scroll. Uh, that said they were going to be going against the champions. Bailey was at ringside watching the match. Uh, Cross got pinned by a roll-up while Bailey was busy tripping up and shoving Bliss. This ended up with, you know, her getting at it with Bliss and then getting at it with Nikki Cross. And then we had the latest edition of Firefly Funhouse. Why is it so fucking hard to say? Informed us that the Earth isn't round and dinosaurs are not extinct. Um, Bray Wyatt asked us all to follow the leader, and it was a very cool segment. It seemed like this was the one leading up to him showing up probably next week, I'm assuming, or maybe this weekend, Uh, but just different radio dials going through. Different weird things that we've seen, including the aerobics Bray Wyatt thing that he had going for him, and it was a uh, very interesting. Ended up him as a fiend. All of them kept on saying, "Let me in, let me in, let me in." Uh, I, I'm assuming we heard what was going to be Bray's new music, which is what I'm assuming they're doing. That like I guess new metal s shit that was doing the same stuff. Either way, cool ass fucking video package. I'm so terrified to see him show up on Main because I just don't know what the fuck they're going to do with them. or, But it's it's been great segments like this. Um, what do you think about this, Chris?
1: I want them to keep the vignettes going. I, I like I'm, If this is the last one, I do want them to keep doing it in some form or format, and I don't want it to be him doing a show in the middle of the ring. I would prefer him to start off as a heel until he has a reason to turn into this dark side. I like the idea of maybe him even having separate music for the two things. Um and I wouldn't be surprised if if he has some sort of kind of slipknot song, considering Savini made his mask and he also made like all of the new slipknot mask masks recently. So I-, I could see something like that too. But uh I you know, the biggest thing with him is <sighs> I want him to be more heel when he is wrestling heel, and I want him to 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 really show an aggression that he hasn't shown in some of his other matches, in my opinion. But I think it's exciting, and in like we talked about in the past, just anyone but Alistair Black to book him with to begin yeah. with is, is a great great idea. Um, like someone like Samoa Joe could play a really good heel and have Bray be kind of a sympathetic baby face, Like I think that would be awesome. Do something like that instead of the obvious of let's throw the mystical guys together right off the
0: bat. Yeah, exactly, and hurt one of them. Um, I completely agree. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, man. I just really, like I keep on saying, I hope they don't fuck it up. And even though obviously the vignettes with Alistair Black have not been as, as – they haven't been anywhere near as close as cool as this – I hope that leads up into something positive and not something that's just lackluster shit. But you got to be pessimistic, unfortunately, with, uh, w- or with WWE uh, sometimes. But let's go over the last match or last matches, if you will. Seth Rollins went against Daniel Bryan uh, and defeated him due to disqualifications. In about 30 seconds of the match, Rowan, uh, Rowan attacked Rollins. This then turned into a brawl that included the New Day, The Usos, Revival, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Rowan. After the fight died down, the match was restarted as a one-on-one with no one allowed at ringside. Um, This has Bruce Prichard written all over it. He was like, attitude error. Just send all the guys down there. Just fucking just go out, and that's how we'll get to the next part, Uh, just to get some pops with the people. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was fine because they actually started the match but if they would have taken all that time and let us have Seth Rollins against fucking Daniel Bryan, that also would have been cool. Uh, But either way, Rollins beat Daniel Bryan. Rollins pinned Bryan with a stomp after the match. Baron Corbin attacked Rollins from behind with a chair, laid him out with the end of days, and posed over him with the universal belt. Uh, No special guest referee was announced, but we know it's not Paul Heyman. Chris, what did you think about this last match? And – can we can we get some more of Seth Rollins and fucking Daniel Bryan, just like him and AJ, or is that going to be it?
1: <laughs> no, hopefully we get more. I like they gave us an actual finish. I want to know who restarted the match, because Shane McMahon was the uh, the manager on hand, and he definitely didn't restart the, the shit. So I guess the ref restarted it. I wish they would have clarified mm-hmm. that. Outside of that, you know, I'm fine. At, AT least it was, what I thought they were going to do, what I thought they were going to do is here's 10 minutes of the match, and at the very end, Corbin's going to fuck over fuck over Rollins and Rollins will win by DQ and it doesn't hurt Brian. I thought immediately that's what they're going to do. And at least they gave us the finish before, you know, Corbin attacked him. So I can't complain too much, even though it is fucking weird to have a match randomly restarted by who I can only assume is the raw anonymous GM. We never got pay payoff on.
0: All right, let's go into SmackDown. A little bit, not as uh not, not as lovely, but still a pretty decent show It just started off I'm getting sick of this I know that you are, Chris, too It's just this Dolph Ziggler thing The intensity and the acting level that he's bringing towards it I mean, is fine But I'm not fucking convinced Out of anything that he's saying And I know that he's probably going to go away As soon as this is over with uh, But he's already lost But he gets to have another match And it should have been him It should have been him throw up, blah. And then he went against Xavier Woods, and it seemed like Xavier was actually getting the better of him. It it seemed like he should have dominated Xavier in the match, but, you know, before that, the New Day, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens were all ejected from ringside. I love that KO is whatever, whoever's lackey, basically, now. Um, Ziggler pinned Woods after dropping him with a super kick while he was tied up in the ropes. Um yeah, this is whatever. I'm glad. I, I I'm just looking for this match to be over. I don't think this does anything for anyone, and it certainly doesn't rise the stock for Dolph Ziggler. He's a good worker, but it just this is the situation. <laughs> it, it, there's nothing. There's nothing convincing about this fucking thing at all. At all.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like I said. This is just carryover to get to Kevin Owens versus Kopi again more than anything else, just because that match was fucked by uh, Saudi and Kevin not going. Um, I my wife called it bad high school play acting with <laughs> Dolph, and I think that's a good way to put it. As far as I like, I know he's trying his best and being intense, but you can't say it should have been me when you're a former heavyweight champion. Like, he I know they don't fucking it. bring that up, but he's like a two time fucking champion. Like
2: that's I don't know. It, it
1: also, it just harkens back to Raven saying, "What about me?" What about Raven? But when Raven did it, it was like way fucking better. And also, like Dolph's heel accent and the way he accentuates words is fucking terrible. Um, he's gonna
0: pop a vein God. in his neck. Yeah,
1: and whatever, man. I, I'm just I've been done with Dolph for a long time, and this didn't help him at all. As far as like wrestlers, I actually want to see on TV. I think him and Kofi will have a good match. I'm sure they will inside the cage, but uh, outside of that, I, I don't really care about it. I, I just they'll put on probably a decent match.
0: All right. I'm going to start shooting these segments. Um, So Matt Hardy, Shelton Benjamin and the B team had interviews with Baron Corbin to become a special guest referee for the universal title match against Seth Rollins was pretty funny when Shelton Benjamin, uh, Matt Hardy came out and said, "Senor Benjamin and Shelton Benjamin goes, it's Mr. Anyone that, you know, knows the Hardy compound. That was a, that was a funny uh, little reference. But that's it for Matt Hardy, who is having another baby, I believe. So congratulations, Matt. Uh Congrats, Alexa Matt. Alexa Bliss had a moment. Yeah, and you know, Rebecca Hardy, I, she's she's absolutely gorgeous and seems like a diehard wife. So I would have as many children as I could with her. Ha, I knew you would. Uh, Alexa Bliss had a moment of bliss with Bailey and Nikki Cross. <laughs> Bailey called Bliss and entitled princess. Bliss said Bailey is a placeholder because she peaked in NXT. Bailey then attacked Bliss, and Cross made the save. Bliss then laid out Bailey with an attack from behind. Then backstage we had Apollo Crews um, told Zelina Vega he was looking for Andrade. She accused him of hitting on her. Andrade then attacked the shit out of him from behind. The camera zoomed out to show Chad Gable taking notes. Remember, Chad Gable's now on 205 Live. I don't really know. I'm glad to see him somewhere. Something's going on. I don't know what he's taking notes about. What do you think about these segments, Chris?
1: I like that they've given me two weeks of Chad Gable taking notes, and I hope they do something with it. I love the senior Benjamin, it's Mr. Benjamin spot, specifically with Shelton talking about he was just going to fuck over Baron, so it made sense when he didn't get smashed with a chair. Um, And, uh, yeah, like, these segments were fun, obviously. Um, Nothing crazy. Uh, I think the Andrade Apollo is just setting up, you know, a pre-match for whatever the pay-per-view is probably.
0: All right, so then we had heavy machinery defeating the B team uh, throughout this. I believe Dan O'Brien and Rowan were at ringside, and they were just basically talking down. No, actually, that's right. Something I was actually kind of happy about, Dan O'Brien, even though he insulted them somewhat about their demeanor and appearance, he built out he built up his his enemies, the baby faces to being on his level so he can go against them as a good heel. That makes a lot of fucking sense, but anyways. Heavy machinery got Dude. the win, uh, following the compactor after the match. Rollins slammed a steel chair into the backs of the B team. What is up, Chris?
2: Dude,
1: that's it's a baffling idea, you know, like actually putting someone over on commentary that you have to face later on. I just a favorite spot of the entire match. He is the caterpillar, and Corey or someone's I can't. I think it was Tom Phillips or whatever was like, hey. He could do that to you, and Daniel Bryan's like, no way. I'm way too fast. i just move out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they do which that. I, I really do. Which, which I super popped for. Uh, Daniel Bryan was great on commentary. I think it was fun setting up this match. And uh, no way Daniel Bryan's going to get booed in Washington anyway. So it should be a fun match.
0: All right, so backstage, Owens and Zayn complained to Shane McMahon about Rollins showing up. McMahon made a two-out-of-three falls match. Two-out-of-three falls is hot. It's, it's good shit. Um, for later that night between Owens and Zayn against Rollins and Kingston. That's got to suck. Did, did KO forget that he's got some heat with Shane? Uh, that going up and complaining to him is probably not going to help out. Uh, Drew McIntyre cut a promo on Roman Reigns that was very angry and very Scottish along uh, McMahon and Elias. The Miz interrupted them to replay Reigns beating them up on Monday Night Raw. And then the uh, Authors of Pain had a brief backstage interaction with the Iconics. Then Paige, Kari and Asuka faced off with the Iconics. We found out that in Tokyo, uh, Kari Sane and Asuka will be going against the Iconics. And if they win that match, they will get a title match um, at a later date. I don't know why they fucking do that. If they beat them, why? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, what do you think about all these segments, Chris? The one with Owens and Zayn's complaining to Shane, Drew McIntyre, and the other boys cutting a promo. The Miz coming out and causing some shit, and then the Authors of Pain—or not the Authors of Pain—the uh, match that we're going to have with the Iconics and the Kabuki Warriors. Gotta care less about the uh, care less about the match with you. I mean, obviously you're going to have the Kabuki
1: Warriors win to set up a tag match, but. You know, you only have one other female tag team, so that they're automatically number one contenders. They shouldn't have to win shit to have a title match. Uh, the the Drew McIntyre promo I thought was really good, very angry, like you said, and it makes sense because he got put through a table. Uh, Shane, I think they could have done a better job telling it here, but him obviously just immediately shitting on Kevin Owens and putting him in a match does build into what that storyline was. So I think they could have done a better job detailing it, but I, I – didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, I, and also, I, I missed it earlier, but that moment of bliss is the best moment of bliss they've done. And I thought those promos were really good between Bailey and uh, Alexa.
0: I, I completely agree on, with you on that. I, I did notice that. Uh, so basically, after commercial break, we have uh, Miz who called out Our uh, Truth that was in the audience uh, to join him. And Awesome Truth went against Elias and Drew McIntyre. Elias eliminated Truth after connecting on a running meet in the corner, a host of mid carters came running down ringside to take the 24-7 belt. True took it from Shelton Benjamin, who I guess thought if you, it was like a fucking, if you grab the belt, you have it. No one explained to him, whatever. And went running through the crowd. McIntyre pinned Miz after hitting the Claymore after the match. McMahon uh, picked Miz up for another Claymore. And then we had that interaction with Ember Moon, um... And Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, her interrupting their, their uh, fucking uh, donut eating and then getting, in it, getting into it with Sonya and then the two girls taking the better of Ember. Uh, what do you think about the Return of the Awesome Truth and then Ember Moon getting her butt kicked by uh, Fire and Desire?
1: I was really excited for the return of the Awesome Truth, even though I knew I wasn't going to get a full match. It was fun while it lasted. I think, you know, I, Miz specifically cut an awesome promo right before, and a super babyface promo, and then unfortunately, like I, I texted you right before, I was like, well, he's just going to lose after cutting that promo, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, the, the weird thing is, Elias is technically your 24/7 champion. He pinned, he pinned our truth. The rules weren't off. Our truth is like Drew, <laughs> Drake Maverick didn't technically win the title. So that fucked with me almost the rest of the night, to be completely honest. The Ember Moon thing, I, I, I think that she's just injured, and they're building to something. I, I don't know when she's actually coming back 100%. She was injured at Mania, and, and they haven't really said anything since then. And I'm assuming this is just a buildup to bring her back, to give her something better to do.
0: So. All right, the last two, Matt. Well, one of them was a little segment beforehand, if you will. Uh, so our truth is about to leave. Uh, a referee is also an Uber driver, I guess. So he's about to jump in, and then who he thinks is Carmella, we find out, is actually Drake, Drake Maverick, who takes off all the clothes, including fake boobs with nipples on them that fall on the ground. Um, Such <laughs> a stupid segment, but funny as hell. Maverick pinned our truth in the parking lot and won the 24 7 belt, and then he just stole the referee's car and got the fuck out of there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever still fun two out of three falls match Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins defeated Kevin Owens and Sammy good match uh, the baby faces won both pins though so it's like what the fuck's the point of doing a two out of three uh, Kofi got the first fall after hitting a trouble in paradise and Zayn Rollins pinned Owens after hitting the stomp what do you think about the ending of Smackdown with the Our truth segment and then the last match with the champions against Owens and Zane?
1: I liked Owens and Zane. I liked the match. I thought it was
0: a good match. I thought it was really
1: weird they they did that first pin so fast. But uh they put Kofi over strong, so I was fine with it. What I will say is um I think they're putting Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn into a tag team just based on the fact that they both or he super kicked, you know, when when Sami got in trouble, Kevin did super kick the shit out of Baron Corbin on Monday, which I forgot to talk about. So I think they're going to be a tag team and I I know they have a tag team match at Stomping Grounds against the New Day. So that could be interesting. Um, the archery thing, it was funny. I think they're building up to, like, Carmella's getting married. Drew, uh, Drake Maverick is getting married in real life really soon, and I'm wondering if they're going to do a segment where he gets beat for the title at his own wedding or something. So I'm actually kind of <laughs> looking forward to see where that where that is going, because that could end up being really, really funny. But, uh, yeah,
0: Alright, so let's go over stopping grounds. I'm gonna throw out the match. I'm gonna or I'm gonna say the match. I'll say who I think is gonna win. You tell me who you think is gonna win. And then we'll go over all this after we watch the event next Wednesday on the next show. Uh Raw Women's Championship, Becky Lynch champion going against Lacey Evans. Becky is going to beat Lacey. What do you think?
1: Becky. There's yeah, Becky.
0: All right, then we got the WWE championship. Another one I'm pretty uh sure on Kofi Kingston, the champion, is going against Dolph Ziggler. Kofi Kingston is going to win that, that that match.
1: Yep, same, Kofi. I think Kofi wins.
0: This one's interesting. It's the one between Samoa Joe and Ricochet for the U.S. belt. I actually think Samoa Joe is going to retain that unless Rey Mysterio gets himself involved and then they build something else and then Ricochet gets the belt. But Samoa Joe is who I got.
1: I wish they'd get the title off Samoa Joe, but I don't think this is the time. Maybe in the future with Ricochet, uh, I'm going to go Samoa Joe, and I think they're just doing the storyline they were going to do with Ray minus Ray's kid.
0: All right, so we got the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey champion, going against Alexa Bliss. I actually think Alexa Bliss is going to pick this up, which is going to piss off a lot of fans. But who do you think? I
1: think Bailey retains mostly because Alexa Bliss is technically on Raw. And uh, it's going to set up a dissension between her and and Nikki Cross.
0: Universal Championship match. Seth Rollins going against Baron Corbin. Seth Rollins better win that fucking match.
1: I I think there's going to be a lot of fuckery, but Seth Rollins wins at the end of the day. I definitely don't think Brock is going to be in fucking Tacoma in front of uh, the 4,000 seats they've sold thus far for this pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, and I think you answered what the question I was going to follow up at the end of this. So I don't think Brock's going to show up at all either. SmackDown so Tag Team Champions Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. This could be a good time to get the belts on Heavy Machinery to get Daniel Bryan in a feud somewhere else. Uh, but I could see him retaining. But I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Heavy Machinery. Who do you got?
1: Uh, I feel like it's too soon, and they're going to build this out a little bit just because they don't have any other tag teams. So I'm going to go with Daniel and uh, Rowan right now.
0: I hope that they get a championship uh, opportunity if one of them wins this because I don't see the point. But Xavier Woods and Big E going against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, I'm going to give it to Xavier Woods and Big E. Who do you got?
1: I'm going to go with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They need a win. Both of them have been getting a beat a lot lately. And I do think your eventual storyline is either them going as a tag team or Kevin Owens getting another shot at the
0: title that builds to something between him and Sami down the road. All right, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. I'm actually going with Drew McIntyre from some type of fuckery.
1: Agreed. I, I think you have to give Drew McIntyre the win here, as bad as I hate it, coming off the fact that Roman lost to Shane. But uh, I think they're going to flesh this out even more.
0: All right, and our last one, Cruiserweight Championship. Tony Nese champion going against Kirito and Drew Gulak. I'm going to actually give it to Drew Gulak. If not, put him on NXT full-time. He's fucking awesome.
1: Uh, I think I'm going to stick with Tony Nese. I They don't have, really have a reason to take the title off of him, and I think he's been doing, from the matches I've seen him doing on 205 Live, I think he's been doing a good job as their current champion.
0: All right, guys, that's the show, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, me and Chris want to thank everyone listening. Check out GV Nation as a GeekFivesNation.com for all of our news and everything else involved with our iTunes account and now our uh, Spotify account as well. Uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST. Thank you guys so much out there And let the Geek Vibes be with you Peace out